It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As always, you can find the podcast on the Himalaya podcast app, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. It's out there on Stitcher, too, I'm told. It's everywhere, and you should listen to it. Today, we've got Clark Harris in our countdown to kickoff, wearing number 46, and that should be relatively brief. He's a sweet dude. He's a long snapper, and then we're going to get into our um mailbag the first mailbag of training camp is what we're calling it even though training camp officially opens after or right before our next episode on saturday and you should put some respect on clark harris's name the 2018 pro bowl long snapper for the afc Pro bowl long snapper for the afc his bengals.com bio tells me that his hobbies include video games golf Mm -hmm. basketball and water sports that's exactly he looks exactly like he likes those things yeah he's got a fu manchu He's got nice, sweet, long hair. Generally seems like a fun guy. If you ever see him on Twitter, I remember a couple, this may, this maybe a month ago, six weeks ago, they were asking on, on Twitter, was going around, what's the worst number, right? And I said, number 46, because in my mind, that's that's a terrible number. And he wears 46, so of course he responded like, oh, come on, man. And <laughs> now that we're doing these, 49 is definitely worse than 46. I mean, they're, they're insane. They're, they're 69, but 40. What? Oh, yeah, I see where you're going there. Yes. Um, he's a standout tight end at Rutgers. He caught okay. a pass in 38 straight games in college. Not bad. More than Drew Sample. 38 straight games. Ranked six in Rutgers history in receptions with 143 and receiving yards and tied for seventh in touchdowns. So he was like a really productive, relatively speaking, tight end in college. And then he came out and, and well, now he's a, uh, a long snapper. That's got to be a fun job, though, right? It's got to be a fun job. You can't, you can't hurt a long snapper, except in kick coverage. You can get blown up, I guess. But yeah. they can't Funs. touch him after the snap. Right. They can't be lined up over him. I think they can kind of touch him as long as he is a blocker then afterwards. Once They're he's a blocker, it's fine. But, yeah, I they guess are. they can yeah. Right. Yes, that's down. I mean, have you ever tried long snapping? Yeah, actually. Yeah. I have two because it looks fun. I um, I'm okay. Right. I can't do it with two hands though. Do you have to do it with two hands? I feel like the second hand is a guide hand. Maybe Clark Harris will uh, listen to the podcast and come on and tell us the intricacies of of long snapping. Right, because I can throw a ball. So under you know, I just you bend down, you That's throw all it, it is, for is one throw it. And the other hand, do you think it's there for stability? The first, you know, maybe half second. I think. 
It might help you with rotation a little bit to get it going a little faster, a little bit better rotation. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like you'd want that other hand to defend yourself as soon as you snap, you know? I, yeah, well, I mean, you see the way that long snappers block. I don't even think they get their hands up. I feel right, like they just, just kind of lean forward and try to take up space. Block with their shoulders and hips, right? Yeah, yeah. As someone's trying to get by. Yeah. One thing I like about Clark Harris is he uh, routinely plays catch with fans. Yeah, he's whether really it's training good with camp. fans. Yeah, or, or uh, for the game. And if you think you have a good arm, like you're a listener, you're a regular dude, right? You're like, yeah, I can throw the football. Maybe 30, 40, 45 yards, whatever it is. And that'd be pretty good. But uh, Clark Harris probably has a better arm than you. And he's a long snapper. He throws really well. I was surprised when I was at camp last year. I was watching him a few times when there was nothing really going on. I'm like, look at this throw. This is pretty impressive. During a Pro Bowl practice prior to the Pro Bowl, Clark Harris set a Guinness World Record for the longest recorded snap. Really? Yeah, he broke the record previously 34 yards held by Jace Whitner in Perrysburg, Ohio, with a snap of 36 yards and 8 inches. So he's got a strong arm. He's got a strong arm. He can throw under his legs, looking between his legs, 36 yards and 8 inches. So um, I got a little quick trivia for you then, unless you're looking at this page. But uh, what would you say the over-under for tackles in Clark Harris's career is at? I feel like he's actually in on tackles pretty frequently. Yeah, we're just going to go combined here, pro football reference, and we'll use what they have because tackles can be. Okay, weird. so he's he's been a Bengal for 10 years, right? Sure, 8 to 18. I think, so. I think he's 10 years. 8 to 18, yeah, 10 years, okay. Um, I would put it somewhere around like 70. You would say 70 tackles. Is that too many? That sure, it'd be ten a year almost. I mean, it'd be less than ten a year, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, he's missed time, so I guess he's um, he's only out on punt coverage. So I guess right. okay. So so there are say eighty punts a year. Okay. Maybe he gets a tackle. Okay, maybe it's more like maybe it's like between forty five and 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 fifty five. Okay, so I'll tell you how many it is. It's ten combined tackles. Okay, I'm not even close. Right, one year he had four. But there's a lot of years where he's not credited for a tackle at all. I feel like I see him in on tack. I guess it's. I guess right. he, it would only be on returns where the primary special teamers aren't doing their jobs. He's never sure. going to be the first guy down there. So 80 punts, you got to think 35 fair catches sometimes, 30, um, and then it's got to they got to beat the gunner and then get past like that second tier of usually linebacker safety before Clark Harris is probably getting down. Yeah. I didn't consider the fair catches at all. I right. forgot that was because that would cut that in half. So if yeah. you're at forty at the end there, at least you're cutting that in half to twenty. Yeah, then I would be closer. Yeah, I, I was going off of like, okay, he probably he could get it on five tackles a year on eighty punts, but no, right? Yeah, right. And he's probably in on that. It's just probably not credited because, as we talked about yesterday, you know, it's either you're the first or the second guy, and I think after that they really don't start giving that third and fourth guy in a pile. Tackles credit. a funny stat too. Right? It is. Like it's, it's, it's unofficial still. Poorly recorded. Somebody asked us to a trivia question today. Who has the most tackles in Bengals history? Yeah, I just retweeted on the account and let people um fill that in themselves. Okay. Should we get to the question speaking of? Let's take yeah. a couple and then we'll take a break. Okay. Have you looked at our questions yet today? I did. I, I favorited a bunch of them. We're ready to go. <laughs> That's good. What's our first question? I, I'm not there yet. All right, I'm here, and it's from Dean, D.D. Merritt. Thank you for uh, joining the show again, D.D., Dean. He says, I'm torn on the A.J. contract because of era 
of a highly paid wide receiver playing in multiple Super Bowls is long gone. We all love Green, but from a team-building standpoint, his age and health, if the t- if they were to give him a three- or four-year deal at, say, $17 million per, is that smart? We've talked about this quite a bit. And is it the most optimal way to build a roster? I, I think you could probably say no. I right. think that in a lot of ways... The third contract to a receiver is probably like the second contract to a running back to some degree. Yeah. Uh, That being said, I'm somewhat on the side of Duke Tobin and Mike Brown in saying I don't think it's time for A.J. Green's decline to really hit yet. The, The injuries are more of a concern to me than anything because he's missed two years now or missed games in two straight years. And so that's two, two out of four significant time. Wasn't didn't he miss? He's missed time every year, but I mean, like 2016 is when the hamstring happened, and then yeah. 2018 was the toe oh, where he missed okay. a good chunk okay. of the second half of the year. I, I, got, I must have blacked out 2017. Yeah, it was in there somewhere. But uh, yeah, is that smart? Here's the part that's not smart for me: is that you're paying three receivers at that point good money because John Ross, number nine pick. Um, we're going in year three. It's going to be decently expensive. Year four is going to be expensive. And if they pick up the fifth year option, it's going to be very expensive. So that's the not smart part. Now, and I think we got other questions that are dealing with this because I think people are trying to uh, see the writing on the wall. I don't think the Bengals are in position to let a good player that's still good despite age walk. This is the same question they had with Andrew Whitworth, right? When is that career cliff happening? When is this guy going to fall off? I don't think they're in position, and they're not the franchise that can do that. The Patriots do it all the time. They seem to know when these guys aren't going to produce somewhere else or they're done, and they let those guys walk. Or they they see the value, and they're like, no, you know what? You're going to get more out there. We're not going to pay you that much. The value won't meet what you're, what, what you'll produce for us. They're, they're, also, they're also a factory, and it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to go exactly. to New England, and you're going to play well. So, yeah, you're, you're right. The Bengals aren't like that. Right, the Bengals aren't, aren't in that situation, so they can't just easily replace these stars. Uh, so being in that situation, they should pay him. They should keep him. They should want to keep him as long as possible, even if it bites them a little bit. This is a franchise player uh, that you should keep and try and maintain and build around for the next few years. So having said that, paying three receivers, what does that mean, and where can you cut corners? They're already cutting corners on the offensive line. They're already already cutting corners at linebacker. Uh, there's going to be positions where they can't pay everyone, and we've got quarterback coming up. Does that and mean you can't back. get well, and running back? Right. So, are you more inclined to pay your receivers, three of them, and not pay the quarterback? Because well, if you pay Mixon and the three receivers, and you put a rookie salary quarterback in there, you're fine, right? Yeah. But Dalton at twenty five to thirty million, you're not fine. I was going to say they might not pick up the, the option on Ross either. They might It might just be this sure. year is it. Sure, but if he plays well, you're picking it up. Yeah. Because that fifth year is, I mean, you might as well. You're paying. You're, it's almost like money they owe you at that point, you know? Right. The other thing that I guess is worth mentioning is even if they give him that 17 or more average annual right. value, by the time he's at the end of that contract, the fourth year isn't going to be fully guaranteed. The third year isn't going to be fully guaranteed, right? So if they need to get out of it, if A.J. Green gets hurt and needs to hang it up, God forbid, they'll be okay. The first two years, you want them the next two years anyway. Yes, I want them the next two years. And they can make it work financially. The cap's still rising, guys. You're right. I want them for the next two years. I know this. 
Do I want him for year three and four after this when he's 35? I'm not sure, but I'm willing to take that bet and put some outs in the contract. If, he, if you'll agree, he's, well, he's 30 right now. I'm saying four years. You know, He's got one year left. Are we adding four years or are we adding three years? I guess kind of matters. I see what you're saying. Okay. So, you know, I 34 in, in that range. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you have to decide at that if you can, if he will agree, you have to decide then if he, if you want him on the roster. So I think there are a lot of extension questions looming for the Bengals. They've got Dalton, they've got Mixon, they've got Green. Green, yeah. it sounds like, is imminent. It's going to happen. We'll have to see what the financials are on it. We still have to see what the financials are on the Boyd deal. But that I, is kind of the state of the world on the offensive side of the ball right now. Is It's weird to have three centerpieces of your offense, and you're not sure it's a good idea to sign any of the three, right? Hey, man, as Andrew Hawkins said, Andy Dalton's out there making his receivers money. This is true. They've all made money. They've all made money, except John yeah. Ross, and he has a year to prove it. I mean, he's making money regardless, so <laughs> they drafted him pick. and paid him. Yeah. Next question comes from Tyler Lindsay as Joe flails around his desk. I dropped my phone. <laughs> Tyler, welcome back to the mailbag. What are some of your biggest questions going into camp this year? Part two, also, I know you don't live in the area, but would you guys be going to training camp if you had the opportunity, and for how many days? If I have the opportunity to go, it's probably going to be for one day, and that's because I am, yeah, I'm out of, looking at the schedule, I was comparing it with my schedule right now, this is, I'm on my seven days off right now, if if training camp was this week, I can go for four days, Uh, five maybe, but it's, now I'm about to go on my stretch where I work a lot, and um where it's going to line up, it's I could maybe go Tuesday, Wednesday, the 30th and 31st, but I'm going to be coming off an overnight Monday night and no sleep Tuesday. I've done that, but I don't want to risk that. So if anything, it'll probably be Wednesday, the 31st of July, and I may go. I'm thinking about it. You can't just take a day off, huh? I have them all spoken for. We've talked about this before, how many days I have. I've got a vacation coming in December. I went to the Senior Bowl already this year and used a week of vacation then. I just, you know, can't do it that many days. Yeah. Uh, I would go if I lived there for sure. I would go as much as I could. It's fun. I went once. I went for one day when I was visiting Cincinnati during training camp. Coley Harvey was still covering the Bengals for, for ESPN because that's the only time I met him. Um, so that was what, three years ago then. So to summarize, yeah, we would go to camp. We might go to camp. I might try to get there if I can work it, but I'm on the West Coast. I'm on an island. It's very hard for me to get there. But the other part of the question is, what are the biggest questions for you, Joe, going into camp this year? Uh, Left guard, the competition at left guard. Mm -hmm. I really want Westerman to win it, so I hope he gets the first team reps. If they come out on day one and say Westerman's getting first team reps, I'll feel good because I felt like in minicamp, the guys they put out there were they're fighting the starting five. They wanted those guys to start. They were putting them out there to get reps together. Those reps are now in the trash. They have to start over again. And I feel like if they give Westerman first team reps, there's a good chance he'll run with it. And that'll be the, the starting offensive line. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're going to give those opportunities to multiple guys though. Like they're yeah. going to run multiple guys out there with the first team. Cause I think the other four positions are relatively set it sounds yeah. like they're gonna put westerman at right guard they're gonna put price at guard sometimes they're gonna put hopkins at multiple positions but i think the starting four outside of left guard are pretty set yeah 
The other one's linebacker, right? Who wins that third spot? Mm-hmm. And can he and play uh, nickel? Can they get right. Preston Brown off the field on nickel snaps? Yep. If we and, hear instantly that Preston Brown and Vigil are out there as nickel linebackers, I would understand because that wh- whoever wins that third job, is he ready and can he be that nickel linebacker? Right. Chances are out of Evans, Jefferson, and Pratt, maybe not. You know, it may be a bit of a learning curve for the for two uh, of those three. Yeah. I'm interested to see, in addition to those things, how they use uh, B.W. Webb and Darquez Denard if he's ready yep. to go. I don't know if Darquez Denard will be be ready yet, um, but if he is, I'll be curious to see how they are deployed and what snaps they're getting. Uh, interested to see if they can bring in a tackle and what happens for tackle death. This has been a common, uh, commonly talked about topic on the podcast. It's now made its way into other media stories in the last couple of days since they started talking about it at training camp on Mock Turtle Soup Day. But tackle competition, I'm very interested in. Also, very interested in seeing the the scheme on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Yep. I mean, offense aside, I, I think we have a pretty good idea of what to expect there. I still have no idea what to expect from the defense, and I'm very eager to see how they're lining up. Last year in camp, I got a lot of good information just from the three days I was there and like where I was like oh these, this is what they're running in the red zone oh this is what they're doing with Eifer and Uzama oh this is what they're doing on defense I mean it was just it was clear but the Bengals were practicing what they're going to do as you would expect but just being there and seeing it that's why I want to go again and I, I wish I can go for three four days because you know I want to see again how's that rotation at tight end what does that look like? How often are they using Eifert? Yeah. Last year it was, they, we, they weren't using Eifert between the 20s. And then Red Zone came in, Eifert ran in, Uzama ran off. And I was like, okay, then they might use him like that. And that's kind of how they started the year. And then they once, week three or four, when they felt uh, Eifert was full health, they started using him much more. But uh, I, you could tell then what, that Croft was getting phased out and was definitely the third guy. You could tell how they're using their nickel linebackers. I mean, there was just a lot last year that I, that I felt like, okay, um, it makes a lot of sense, and they ended up using that all season. And it's funny because we have some of the same questions at tight end this year, too. Speaking of things yep. we're going to watch, how are they going to use Eifert? How are they going to use Sample? How are they going to use Uzama? Right. It's a whole rotation, right? I yeah. mean, it's a, it, as long as Eifert's on the roster, that's a, that's going to be a continuous question. And, and the other questions are, you know, like, what is the base offensive formation going to be that they're going to try to run all their offense out of? Is it going to be single back under center? They're going to have 11 personnel? Are they going to put Eifert out in the slot or even out right. wide? All the questions, all the questions. We're going to have eyewitnesses on the show, even if we can't get to camp to some yep. degree. I've already reached out to a few people I know that will be going. And maybe we'll need to set up one of those... Uh, voicemail lines for people to call in hot tips we'll set up a training camp hotline or something might have to there's look into been that. there's been some careers made from training camp videos yeah remember remember brennan warner doing brennan those warner. where is he now yeah. is it fc cincinnati now i think yeah he was working for the Bengals yeah. after that and i mean john sheeran is where i first realized he was doing this stuff mm-hmm. was a few three years ago or so and he's posting these clips and i'm like wow okay this is great stuff but yeah uh if you're doing that and you're posting clips please tag us and let us know so that we'll spread it and retweet it and, you know, get your name out there. Oh, my gosh, Joe. Training camp is almost here. Football's here, that means. There's so much excitement. You know what's funny? I follow some Reds fans, too, and they're all like, when's Bengals season start? Because the Reds are right. you know, not doing Tampa so hot here. lately. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. That went a little, little bit long for our first segment, but we will be right back to continue taking your questions after this break. Guys. 
Let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast with Jake and Joe. Segment two here, we're going to kick it right off with questions. This is from Hude Coombs, I think, or is it Combs? I think we've had him before. Uh, Have thank we? You for, yeah, this, I I think so. I think the name looks familiar to me. we got to get some fresh blood. I was just going to say, this is his first time. I don't recognize it, but. All right, well, maybe I'm drunk. You see yes, the crewman over here. I see that beer. Right? <laughs> right. I really go hard, you know? Going okay, hard everybody. on the Lockdown Bengals <laughs> podcast. Brought to you by Corona Light. Actually, we're not. But Corona, I know you're listening. Well, this is extra. Not light, but thanks. Whatever. So it's got an extra 1% of alcohol. Anyways, do you think they, they will start out really slow? And if they start out really slow, they'll consider trading Dalton or benching him if, for Finley if they see something there. Uh, we know they're not talking contract with Andy Dalton until after the season. Is it possible they look to move on from him if they start slow? No. For everything, all of that? I, I mean, this is all about them trading Dalton or, or benching well, him for, for or Ryan benching Finley. Finley right. and, or and does just, it help to move on from him if they start slow in the offseason? Does it help to move on for them for, from yeah. him? Yeah. I mean, I guess. Right. P- playing poorly helps to move on. Every year... It seems like they, you know, the last five years, they've had a few years where they where they haven't made the playoffs since 2015, right. where they, like they close the season strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, this last season they finally fired Marvin Lewis, and that was that. That's as much as we got, and now everything is fundamentally different the way the team is run. So, I, I think we we don't really know how the new coaching staff would do it, but I cannot imagine that they're going to bench Andy Dalton in year one. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen either. Because here's the biggest reason why. The backups aren't better than him, clearly. They're not. They're not close. And they haven't, to be clear, they haven't been in Cincinnati uh, ever. That's one of the reasons Dalton has had a death grip on his job, though, right? Because they have had no one to challenge him at any point. 
even when McCarron was here and people were going crazy over him, they, he was never even – he couldn't hold a water to Andy Dalton. Is that the right phrase? Couldn't hold nah, – it doesn't matter. But he was not even hold close. a candle? Yeah. Why would you – to see him, like in the dark? I, I don't know the saying either, I guess. All right. Anyways, point being, he wasn't close to him. And uh, even if he had decent production, it, it wasn't the same. And Driscoll has had moments, but he definitely doesn't – he's not as polished. He's not there. He doesn't look – uh, like Andy Dalton does, even if he has some tools that will flash. Well, Ryan Finley doesn't have the tools. None I don't of think them at are all. close mentally is the biggest no, I don't, part. Exactly. Yeah, and while Finley, that is his strength, he's a rookie. So he's definitely going to be, be behind Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. So it's not happening this year. Nope. Nope. Next question comes from Caleb at OSU Bengals, a mailbag regular. When you guys meet in person for the first time, because we haven't, how will it go down? Handshake? Bro hug? Full hug? Bro hug is my typical go-to for someone I feel comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah? You too? Yeah. You know, it's weird though. If When you talk to someone and work with someone, it's the day, it's the internet age, right? I mean, I feel like I already know you. Oh, but yeah. yeah we know we, each we've other never sure. met. And what we, I think we talked about this once before on air. We're talking about, you know, people from the internet. Do you know them? Or... Are you, do you still not – have you not met them until you meet them in person? So I guess that is coming one day here. I mean, uh, there, there's several layers to that. I, I think you definitely know the person when they talk as much as we have. I, I made my friends here in Canada over the internet a long time ago. So I'm yeah. very comfortable with getting to know people over distance. Um, I don't know. It's just the way my life is gone. This is very right. normal for me. It's 2019. I think this is pretty normal. Yeah. Onwards? I have the next question. Yeah, onwards. From Brian at B. Art Bo. Yeah, B. Art Bo, I would say. And I don't re- I don't recognize uh, Brian here, so thanks for the question. Out of the linebackers, offensive line, and quarterback, which worries you more as a weak spot for the team going into the 2019 season? Offensive line. Next. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's because Dalton – when when things are going well is fine and right. and generally is is fine he's like that solid tier 3 like we talked about this week where he 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 will lose some games for you he will win some games for you but for the most part you're winning because of the things happening or losing because of the things happening around him right linebackers it's just a position that you can hide well enough or you should be able to hide well enough that Yes, it's concerning, but less so than the offensive line because, again, you can do certain things to try to hide your offensive line, but at some point, you need those guys to hold up. Yeah. And and that that's often pivotal, especially like the pre-snap stuff, right? Like, I'm not worried about the linebackers pre-snap, but these offensive linemen that have had penalty issues can kill a drive pre-snap. Oh, yeah. Bobby Hart. And I don't want to. I didn't want to say his name. Um, well, I mean, they had they had numerous guys with penalty issues last year. Sure, Billy Redmond's Price had penalty the, issues last yes, year. Yes, that's right. Alex You're Redmond right. had penalty issues last year. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna. I was going to ask or say this, but now I want to ask you before I actually say it because now I'm not sure. Which unit do you think has more talent? I mean, top to bottom, O line or linebacker? Where if they get the do, right coach, do, right scheme, they have the chance to play well. Do I count Jonah? Williams? No, because he's not here this year. And that's what made me start to swing the other way when I when I thought about this. I still think offensive line. Because, yeah. because Cordy Glenn has the talent yeah. if he stays healthy. Sure. 
Christian Westerman has the talent if he can wrap his head around it. Billy Price has a pedigree to at least be an above-average player. And sure, John no Miller is an average player. Yeah. And, and then you got right tackle, which is a problem. But, I mean, you have a bunch of third-rounders on at linebacker. I, I, it's just, you know. Right. Do you like the depth at linebacker more? Sure. Do you? I see. Yeah, that's why I, I, I know tackle is such a huge issue. But I think interior, the Bengals are fine. They can find a fourth guy to go out there and start. Maybe even a fifth. I think the tackle depth is so bad that that it just takes it off the table for me. Without looking around the league, I think the tackle depth could be the worst in the league, right? I don't think you have to look around the league. Nobody around the league, except maybe Seattle is the only other team I could see doing this, has backups that are undrafted free agents or guys that have only played a handful of snaps to tackle in their career. Yeah. There's a chance next year none of the backup tackles are in the NFL. There's a chance none of the tackles on the Bengals are in the NFL next year. That's none of the tackles. Sure. Yeah, you're right. There is a chance. Like uh, a far more likely than it should be chance. O-line worries me more. Yes, agree. Because I think linebacker, first of all, you're only playing most of the game with two linebackers. Yep. You're playing with five offensive linemen on every single snap, no doubt about it, and you need them to hold up because they affect. Linebacker has an effect on the defense, but I think pass rush and corner, or or I should say coverage, are much more important uh, from the back end, not coverage from the linebackers. But where O-line will affect your running game, will affect your passing game, will affect everything from the physicality of the, of the entire team mentality, uh, I think it has an effect uh a cascading effect on the entire roster. So my biggest concern is the offensive line. Yep. Next question. Sam Anger. Anger? Anger, like danger. Yeah, right, right, right. I feel like I should know that. I apologize, Sam. I know you are a frequent guest to the mailbag. Joe and Jake, as training camp has now started, I'd just like to say thank you for all the work you've put in for us fans and the daily content and keeping us sane throughout the offseason. You've become a great team. And look forward to more hopefully positive vibes in the coming months. Oh, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Very kind. And if you send us accolades, that's a really good way to get on the podcast because we love reading. We'll just read all accolades one day. (laughs) Yeah. You guys are sure to tune in on that one. Sam does have a question, however. If Mixon has the season that a lot are expecting him to have, do you see holdout wise being the biggest headache that the Bengals have ever had to come across? And possibly the main headache throughout the league comes headline next year. Yeah. Um, so let's say, okay, so the thing here, Mixon has the big season that we all expect. And then that's year three for him. He has four years on his deal. So he'll be looking for a contract, of course, wouldn't he? And then, um, yeah, I I think he would hold out. But I think it's guys very holding hard. out on their rookie contracts for an extension? Oh, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott has two years left, basically, because of that fifth year option. And he's holding out now. Okay. Yeah, it's it's these running backs are getting proactive because they, they have to. They have to. They don't have a choice. They're not getting extended because you can't extend them because it's a bad idea. They really drop off, especially in terms of like yards per dollar. It's stupid to pay running backs on the second contract. You're you're waste. You're throwing money out the window. You're 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 not making good investment choices at that point. But Mixon's young. He's had previous off-the-field issues. There's teams that didn't even have him on their board. So would they be willing to sign him in free agency? So I think he'll have that where that should lessen his value. Which direction are the Bengals going at 
on offense at quarterback because you can steal some of that money and pay a back for three more years, add it on to his fourth year, and then the average per year isn't too bad. And then by then you'll pay your rookie and let, I mean, pay your rookie quarterback and let Mixon go. I know I'm going too far. We should enjoy the season now. But yes, that's the question. Could it be a headache? It could be, definitely. Uh, do I think Joe Mixon's going to hold out, though? I mean, yes, he better. If he was smart, he would. If he has a big year, I could see it. Part of me, I mean, yeah. All right. I can't really argue with it. If he has a big year, he's not making anything, and he's only going to get paid once as a running back. And if he wants to be in Cincinnati, then hold out and make him give you a deal. Yeah. Instead of just letting him, you know, walk into free agency. I could also see Mike Brown just saying, you know what? Bye. Hold out. (laughs) See ya. Enjoy your fines. We'll spend another premium pick on our running back. I think there might be a difference between a first round. Was Ezekiel Elliott a top 10 guy or was he in the 20s? Because oh, yeah. yeah, I think there's a difference three. between holding out in the top 10 versus holding yes. out in the second round. Because Ezekiel Elliott has a lot more in the bank. He can afford the fines. And there are heavy fines oh, yeah. for holding out. Yeah. If Joe Mixon has to hold out, well, then he's paying those fines with his endorsement money because he's not paying it with his contract. And I wonder what kind of endorsement money he has. Yeah. With his name, you know, with his yeah, past. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, and maybe that's some background stuff that would really influence this decision. And maybe they pay him early. Maybe he's a guy that you're like, you know what, we can get a deal done. If it's a Tyler Boyd-type deal for a running back. Or a Geo deal. Maybe, right. maybe he gets an affordable deal. Right. Geo is – is if he's on a similar deal to Mixon, I mean, I don't – I think Mixon would get a little bit more as the lead guy, too. but yeah. point being is where it's not a drag on your on your cap. You're not even worried about it. Then yes, do it do it early, get it down, and then make some decisions because again, paying that running back now, you're not getting a bonus. Right now, the Bengals are getting a bonus having a young rookie deal running back be yeah. so good. It's either that or they're going to go draft another second round running back. That's it. Yeah, and that doesn't sound too bad. Other than spending a second rounder on him. There you go. We're going to take another quick break and then we'll come back and finish up the mailbag. We probably have a lot of work left to do here, but it seems like it's time to take a break. We'll be right back. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. Jake and Joe with the Locked On Bengals podcast for segment three. Back into the questions. This one's from Ryan at CincyDay97. Jake, he asks you and me, but how would you rank Bengals, the Bengals' young core of players compared to the rest of the AFC North? Are you prepared for this? No, but I was just thinking who is... When I favored this, I said, who are even the Bengals' young core? Is that Joe Mixon, right? Tyler Boyd. Jonah Williams, I guess. Billy Price. Because you want them to be part of the core, even though one's out and one hasn't played well. Yeah. And then, Bates, um, Jackson. Right, Bates, Jackson, Carl Lawson, right? maybe, yeah. Okay. That's so that's not the as Bengals good as core. the Browns. Definitely not as good as the Browns. Because Baker Browns Mayfield, have... Nick Chubb. The Browns have the advantage of having like 17 first round picks. Yeah, David Njoku, Miles Garrett, 
Larry Ogunjobi, D, uh, TJ, DJ Ward? Yeah, Ward. TJ Ward. TJ. Uh, even, uh... Even the Ravens. Oh, no. I was going to say, even Odell Beckham counts as young core. He's 26. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, not, the Ravens, it's not the same I think as a 30 year old. What's that? I was going to say it's not the same as Green at 30 years old, you know? Yeah. They also have Kareem Hunt up in Cleveland. True. If you want to count him. I think I, think I like the Bengals core better than I like the Ravens. Young Here, core. I give Ravens some bonus points for having a young quarterback. He's not better than Dalton right now, but he's part of their young core. I would like if the Bengals had a first round young core quarterback, wouldn't you? Anyone would. Yeah, but I mean. I, I don't have much confidence in Lamar Jackson right now. I think he has a lot of work to do. For the Ravens' young core, I'm thinking, okay, it's like Marquise Brown. It's sure. uh, Do they not Mark still Andrews. have that one running back? George Edwards? Was who they... No, because right now, um, that's who they ended up having as an undrafted guy last year. Played really well. But uh, they signed... What's his name from the Saints? Mark Ingram. And he's not young. No, he's not. Orlando Brown is part of their young core. Yeah. You, I said Mark Andrews at tight end. Yeah, Mark um, Andrews at tight end. Were able to keep Matt Judon. They still have Matt Judon at, at defensive end. He's young. Uh, had a had a good third year last year. Yep. Yeah. At corner with... Um, Michael Pierce is 26 as well. True. Good defensive tackle. Humphrey's at corner. And I don't know how old Jimmy Smith is at corner anymore, but he he missed most of last year, so I don't know if he counts Jimmy as Smith being is good. 30. Yeah, that got quick then. He was the same draft as A.J. Green, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, so I, I'd say the Ravens' young core is looking pretty bad. Yeah, that's, I Humphrey. would put that behind the Bengals. Yeah, Humphreys yeah. is good. Him Humphreys and Jackson are comparable. Yeah. Uh, and then the Steelers, it's like T.J. Watt and uh, Deontay Connor. Johnson. Juju Connor and Juju. Schuster. Right. Yep. How old Vance McDonald? Do you have that? Smith Schuster's only twenty two, which I know. Uh, he was stupid young coming pretty out. Pretty crazy. Vance McDonald's twenty nine, he doesn't count. Nope. DeCastro's twenty nine now, he doesn't count anymore. The team's getting up there in age. Yeah. Javon Hargrave's twenty six. He's on the upper end of the limit. Yeah, and but he's I like him. I wish he played more for them. Stephon Tuitt's twenty six, he's good. Man, only twenty six for Tuitt. Must have been young when they got him. Mm-hmm. Devin Bush is part of the core. He's 21. Sure. Bud Dupree, I guess, eh. is part of the core. He's 26. I don't feel very it's good about good, him. Though. I think no. the Bengals' young core is pretty comparable to the Steelers' young core. I do, too. Because The Steelers have whiffed on some, some draft picks. Yeah. Well, Connor Burns, Terrell are, Evans. are pretty good. That's comparable to our Boyd and, and Mixon. Sure. Maybe with a slant towards the Steelers and on the national side, but maybe we would take our guys. I would definitely take our guys. Right. James Conner has so much to prove to me. Because he's in an offense that works? I mean, he's going to be in that offense that works again. Yeah, but I, I, regardless, he, he has a lot to prove to me like that that he's he's close, right? I'd still say Mixon. He was pretty good last year. He was really good last year. I don't, I don't year. care. Okay. I know you don't like them. I don't he, like they them had either. an the incredible same. offensive line. I give, the, I give the Steelers a ton of credit for their offensive line. I don't give James Conner much credit. They're good. Right. Their offensive line and running game has been fantastic. Yep. They've been just as productive with or without Le'Veon Bell. And it doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter if it's D'Angelo Williams, who is a great right. fantasy running back for me the yep. last couple of years when he was there. Or if Whatever it's the James backup Conner. is now, 
Benny Snell gets in, pick him up in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Not even like Benny Snell. So worth (laughs) worth a late round flyer, regardless. But yeah, I think the Browns number one, Bengals Steelers is close. I think the one thing that goes in the Steelers' favor here is it seems like they get more production out of their units. Their sums are generally a little bit better than their parts. Sure. Um, and, and that's that's about it. The Ravens, though, I think I don't like the way their roster is constructed. I think I Ozzie either. Newsom has been pretty bad for the last few years. And is he uh, even still there? Is he gone? Is he retired? He's, he's gone now. I think. I think. Right. He, I think he's gone now. But I, I don't think that he left them in great shape. I don't think so either. Unless Jackson takes. I mean, the year two step he took in college, if he obviously if he took that, but because not everyone does. But if he took that, it's they're going to be in the playoffs again. I think. Yeah, if Lamar Jackson can throw, sure. Right. Next You're question. Up. Alex Grigsby, welcome back, asks, with 90% of the roster already set, what are the actual camp roster battles? I think we touched on this, so I'll be quick. I definitely left guard. I think there's playing time to be had at um, tight end. There's playing time to be had as the third back. If Rodney Anderson gets healthy, if he's healthy by this time, he may not even be. Uh, there's opportunities, or, or there's a battle maybe even at nickel corner, because they didn't pay Darquez Denard too much to automatically hand him that job, plus he's hurt. If BW Webb that knows the system hits, you know, stride, and that's it. Darquez Denard could be on the bench for, you know, until a guy goes down. So uh, the other battle, obviously, third linebacker. And then we've talked about before, who kicks inside next to Geno Atkins and nickel as a pass rusher? Is it Kerry Wynn's job to lose? Or does Sam Hubbard get to take a development? Does Jordan Willis get another shot to win that job? Those are the questions. That's them. Yep. We good on that? Covered it. Great. Um, This is from Andrew G. Andrew 88 G. Do you think having a slightly successful season hurts or helps in terms of management's approach to free agency acquisitions? Would they be satisfied with the outcome or be inclined to get help needed to surpass that success with air quotes? I don't think that the season outcome impacts the Bengals free agency strategy very much. I think their previous free agency strategy affects their free agency strategy. And right now we're on the other side of the pendulum where, you know, might be swinging towards. Yeah, using free agency. Yeah, I think five years ago, you know, they tried or I guess it's been a lot longer than that now. Um, but, you know, they tried to bring in Terrell Owens. They tried to bring in Antonio Bryant. They tried to bring in, yeah. you know. But maybe. doesn't that also, the Super Bowl window have a big effect on that? Do yeah. you feel you're actually going to have a chance? If you do, I, I feel like the Bengals I have. Think for most teams, but for the Bengals, I feel like they thought they did have a chance in 14, 15, 16, and, and they didn't. They were also drafting incredibly well. There's kind of, there's, there's also that factor, right? Yeah, but if you you're draft not drafting poorly. well and you have to fill those holes, you almost feel the pressure of I need to go out there and sign a no lineman or a tackle or a tight end, whatever the case may be, because we've whiffed on these spots. And, and maybe that's, that's a good point. Is that the Bengals that's why are, they traded for Cordy Glenn. Right. And and the Bengals are pretty reactionary, right? To like yeah. draft outcomes in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the I don't season think doesn't the season, has effect. Yeah. We haven't seen them go like, okay, we were 4-12, and 12, we better go spend all our money in free agency. If anything, they may, have, they, have, they may have the opposite effect. Like, oh, we're not close right now, so we won't sign them. But, but they maybe do, if they go 
ten and six or so, they'd be like, ah, we could use obviously a better O line. You know? Yeah. They do react to I think the draft outcomes. I think that was a good point. And I think that's yeah. more than anything the what strongest. dictates the rest of their roster management strategy. And you know what? I would prefer if they had a consistent strategy for these things. Of course you have to be reactionary to some degree, but just mm-hmm. go be regular players in free agency. Yeah. If there's a guy out there that fits your team really well, make a play on him. I'm right. not saying you need to go spend $20 million on C.J. Mosley because C.J. Mosley isn't the player that is worth that right. money. But if there's a player worth the money, be willing to pay it and make those yeah. choices selectively and smartly. And I would like to see that done on a consistent basis rather than the bargain bin shopping that we see. And Troy Blackburn, love the tweet today. Troy Blackburn's out of Walmart today. Somebody saw him going, and that's why all the national reports say the Bengals mm, were looking yes. for a tackle. That's fantastic. I didn't see that. If you saw my tweets, Joe, I retweeted it. I don't see your tweets. For whatever reason, I don't see Jake's tweets on my timeline. He is non-existent in the Twitter world until I go to his page to look for whatever he tells me to look at. It's the worst thing about Joe's life. (laughs) Once, see, Jake, once you get verified, there's a lot of weird things that happen on Twitter. So you'll get there. I don't think I will. But you know what? We'll see. (laughs) I'm sorry for taking a shot. I feel bad now. Instantly. You're up. Well-deserved. Well-deserved guilt. Next question comes from Josh Hayes. I don't recall seeing this name previously. Do you? No, I, I don't remember Josh Hayes. He well, spells are, it two different ways, though. He does. So I'm confused over here. He's hazed and confused. Oh. If Good you're one. A.J. Green, what factors you consider outside of the Cincinnati Bengals being established dominant wide receiver? Do you reach for more money? Right. So I think part of the question and part of the decision-making is, can are you comfortable with the Bengals? Obviously, you think he is, but at the same time, I'm sure he wants to win, and that, that is probably a huge factor, right? Being late in his career, if he has the opportunity to ex, to extend with the Bengals with maybe not as much guaranteed money, even though they gave him the most guaranteed money they've ever given out. Uh, so maybe they wouldn't be afraid to do that, but on a third contract maybe. So... I think obviously money is a big factor because it's your last deal and the opportunity to win is now the last window. So I, those would be the factors I'd be looking at for him. Patriots fans seem to continue to think that they're going yeah. to be able to trade for AJ Green. There was a guy yesterday who's like, yeah, Tyler Boyd signed in that extension. AJ Green trade becomes a little more possible. It was just, I'm like, what? I mean, how disconnected are you? Yeah, I just didn't. I just, you know, for some reason, people, the Bengals, if anything, have paid receivers. Consistently. Right. I mean, Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu aside. Sure. But they also went out. I mean, they, they paid TJ and Chad at the same time. Mm-hmm. They uh, they paid for T.O. They've invested high picks routinely in the, at, the, in the, at the position. And even if all of them didn't work out like a, a Drum Simpson, Caldwell, Shipley. I mean, they've... Chris Henry to yeah. an extent. I just, I'm not saying they did or didn't work out, but at least a third round pick on these guys. They've always invested at that spot. And Mike Brown likes I, receivers. Yeah, I do too. I like to score points and make big, cool plays. Yep. I mean, Mike Brown's always been an offensive minded guy too. Worth pointing so. out. And this is something I think it was Bengals.com pointed out. Marvin Lewis was one of like three defensive background coaches in the Bengals history under Mike Brown. And it's weird because they always – I would not say always. Out of 16 years, I felt more confident 
about the offense in more seasons than I did about the defense. It was really the Mike Zimmer era was the only time I felt good about the defense. Yeah, which is weird because we haven't loved the coordinators either. Right. Obviously, Zimmer and Gruden went on to be head coaches. It helps as, when you hit both your quarterback Joseph picks. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't missed the last. I mean, they picked. They invested two high picks and a quarterback. They hit both times. I'm interested to see how different it feels to be a fan with Zach Taylor as a coach. Yeah, me too. Because I feel like he's going to get a lot of leash. I think Mike Brown likes the idea, after having had Marvin around for so long, of having coaches for long periods of time. I think I think that Mike Brown believes, and I also believe, that the, the continuity is good for your team. I think he sees the Steelers' success and thinks, they they've had like five coaches in the last fifty years. Yeah. Let's try let's go for that. Let's strive for that. He looks at New England. They've had Bill Belichick for thirty years. Not not obviously thirty years, but you know long time. Right, the Steelers he, have only had like four coaches in their history. Right. So I, I feel like Zach Taylor will get a lot of leash. It'll be really interesting to see how it feels as a fan and see how what what's different, you know. Did you watch the 2019 Bengals season primer preview? You know how they normally do that? It's like an NFL Films type production. And they kind of go over last year, the new additions for this year. And it was focused on Zach Taylor taking over for Marvin Lewis. And there was a lot of clips and, and mic'd up stuff from minicamp OTAs. And I found it very interesting. You could see that. I mean, Marvin, you, uh, I felt like had a good repertoire with the players, but you could see the difference of Taylor talking specifically X's and O's with the receivers or with the quarterback or, or you know, with the tight end. It, he'd come up to to John Ross after a route. He says, I want you to come out hard, stem it up, you know, before you start to, to bring it down, maybe it's five, seven yards. And Ross goes, okay, yeah, got it. And, they, you know, just little things like that. I'm sure Marvin Lewis wasn't doing that. Having an offensive mind, and we heard the players say this, but seeing it was nice. Uh, having an offensive-minded guy be that hands-on with the offense has to help. I agree. And that's a big tangent from does A.J. Green consider going elsewhere. I think A.J. Green's going to oh, stay yeah, in Cincinnati. I think he's expressed his interest in staying in Cincinnati. Let's move on. Okay, from Andrew Wells and Wells89. Kind of off topic here. Maybe not, Andrew. But if Dalton wins the Super Bowl, will he be considered the greatest quarterback in Bengals franchise history? Stats would be on his side uh, and, only, and the only one ring in franchise history. If he wins a ring, it'd be really hard to argue with. Right. Because yeah. of now the longevity, decent production, how does he win that ring, right? If he has a Flacco-type run in the playoffs, right. yeah. and they're like leaning on him, he has a signature win at some point in those four games, uh, yeah, he would go down. And I'd be okay with that because yeah. he got a Super Bowl ring. If he Trent Dilfer's his way to a Super Bowl somehow? Then it becomes debatable because yeah. I think those Bengals teams with Anderson and Boomer could have easily won. And then, it, you know, so yeah, sometimes you win. Right, that's why I said Anderson. And oh, you did. Okay. So. Uh, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you flip a coin, it's heads and tails. And both those games in the previous two Super Bowls ended up that way, just wrong side of the, the coin flip for them. So uh, if he Dilford his way in there, or even Brad Johnson his way in there, I would feel differently about it. Yeah. Or at least it'd be up for debate. So good question, though. I agree. Next question comes from analytic Reds fan. I feel like this guy keeps changing his his handle. I think he was apathetic Cincinnati fan at some point. No, what if this guy's just an analyst Reds fan? Is, is this... 
Okay, maybe there's a few of the guys with the same font. Because because ah, all these guys have the same the same font for their names. Maybe it's the same guy with lots of accounts. This is the guy that had the Troy Blackburn's driving to Walmart tweet that I retweeted. Oh, great. Then I'm going to go retweet him. I'm on his account right now, then. Yeah. Uh, he asks, with the Boyd extension and possible AJ extension upcoming, is that the Bengals showing their hand on the choice to not pay Dalton and move toward drafting a replacement? Hmm. Well, I, we kind of touched on this. It could be, because paying all those guys... Uh, makes it hard to also pay the quarterback. But you're also – I could see someone making the argument that you don't pay these veteran receivers, especially A.J. Green, to hit the reset button at quarterback. You pay them because you still think the window is open for the next three years. Yeah, I mean the Bengals still have $24 million against the cap left this year that's going to roll over, I think. I th- I'm assuming that it's top 51 space that rolls over. I guess I'm not really sure about that. They got to give at least eight of that, you would think, to Boyd. This year? Sure. I would think. I think they'd load as they much should. as they could this year. Right. But, I mean, since it does carry over, it's not like you ever lose it. But looking at next year, they have $30 million coming off the books. And the following yeah. year, when Dalton's contract actually expires, 2021, another $60 million's off the books. And the cap is going up. Right. So it's not necessarily that Dalton's going to be the guy that gets cut, but it's paying green and Boyd means somebody's not getting another contract. Maybe it's Dalton. Right. We've looked at maybe someone else position by position, salary caps or suggestions uh, to say, well, you shouldn't really go over this number at wide receiver or whatever. Take wide receiver. Cause we're using it because that means you're borrowing from, from another position you're making another position weaker uh, in, in theory, because not everyone's on the same veteran contract. But in theory, if you put more resources in the one, well, you have less resources for another. So if you're comfortable making another position weaker, then, yeah, pay, pay all your receivers. And they're good players, so might as well pay them. Yep. So does it necessarily mean they're tipping their hand? I don't think so. But maybe. Yeah, maybe. Could be. It may influence their decision later, even if they don't have a plan for the future. That's the best question. That's the best answer. I don't think they have a plan for two years from now. Bengals don't seem like they have that, but doing so now could influence their decision later. Um, next question is from Andrew G. Again, Andrew, second question. He poses this scenario, or 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 um, either or here. Would you rather have one superstar linebacker or two slightly above average tackles? I'd rather have Bobby Wagner than, like, Andre Smith when he was average and Cordy Glenn last year. Is that above average? They both didn't play that way. I mean, Andre Smith did have one year where he was above average. I'm thinking of one year. I'm thinking of one specific Andre Smith year and and Cordy Glenn last year. You're trying to have a good comparable, right? Yeah. Versus, you know, Bobby Wagner or... The, the the Indianapolis guy, Darius Leonard or or whatever, but Bobby Wagner's a gold standard, so I don't know why you would name him. I think I will I think he's referring to maybe a better tackle than even Cordy Glenn last year and say it's more of a I really don't have a good example off the top of my head. But slightly you know, above average, he says. Right, right. So you're you're okay there, but you're not great there, obviously. But you'll have a superstar at linebacker. So one of your two linebackers are a superstar and your other two guys are too average. I guess I'd take the superstar. Here's why. I'm going to like a previous philosophy then. 
you win because of your superstars, because you create around them. Defense or the opposite team is is avoiding them or game planning around them. Um, you want those players and as many of them as possible. So I will take the superstar player. Yep. Slightly above average tackles last year are guys like, uh, I don't know, Trent Brown in the regular season who went on to get a mega deal. Eric Flowers for Jacksonville last year in 588 snaps was average. Chris no, Hubbard. I don't want Flowers. Well, th- these are, th- according to PFF, these are above average, uh, above average tackles. Performances, at least. Yeah. Orlando Brown, Chris Hubbard, slightly above average. Marcus Gilbert, slightly above average. Yeah, give me the linebacker. That's yeah. Case closed. If, if it's those guys versus Bobby Wagner or Leighton Vander Esch or whoever you put in there. Pick one. Pick one of the top ten guys. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Next question comes from Harold Moskowitz at Law. Which veterans are most at risk? My list is Willis. Cody Core, Josh Malone, Jeff Driscoll, and Alex Redmond. I would take Redmond off only because of that suspension. You might as well keep him just in case some another offensive lineman gets hurt those first four weeks. So he's a bonus player at this point. It's kind of a good thing when when those uh, guys maybe ranked between 35 and 55 have a suspension because you're not counting on them. They're not starters, but yet you may need them in, in a couple weeks. So I take Redmond off there. I do think Core and Malone are maybe battling for one spot. Um so, yes, I think one of those guys are, are in danger. Driscoll, sure, they drafted his replacement. He's definitely in danger. And then Willis. I don't know that Willis is in danger. I hope Willis gets every opportunity to show he can pass rush, and I hope he takes advantage of it. Is this year three for him? Yeah, it has to be because it's for Lawson also. I really hope Willis can can help this roster. But I don't think they have a better – who's the fourth guy? Oh, okay, Kerry Wynn. Yeah, I think Willis is, is on the roster. I don't, cutting him would leave a hole. You, you yeah. want to have – not just four guys that can play. All four of your defensive ends are going to play in a game. So you want that. You'd like to have a fifth guy you can actually have stashed away. Yeah, I think I think that, that Willis is probably safe. I agree on Corm alone, although I could see both of them being cut too sure. in, in some scenarios. But I think Malone being a fourth-round pick, I think he has a little bit more leash. Core being a special teamer, they like him for that. Alex Redmond, like you said, he's going to be stashed. Uh, on the on the suspension list, he doesn't count yeah. for a roster spot. Kavari Russell, technically a veteran, I think he has a very tenuous hold on his roster spot. Um, looking at some other veterans here, mm-hmm. nobody else looks to be that much in danger. Me, Brandon Wilson, maybe a, technically he's going into his third year for counting Jordan Willis. Technically a veteran. Jordan Evans, I guess, technically a veteran. He's not their guy. He's a six-round yep. pick. I mean, if he you know, he can fumble this opportunity to start. Hardy Nickerson, definitely sure. in danger. Third-year player. Pretty much the same as the undrafted guys on the team. Like, nationally, of... they're going to mention Giovanni Bernard, but I don't even consider that. I think that they would be, unless Rodney Anderson is fully healthy. Sure. I think they would be very misguided in releasing Giovanni Bernard. I do too. Even for the little they use him, he's been a good player. Because, like, why do you even do it? It's not like they need the money. Right. Right. Yeah. They would just see it as they're not getting the value of what they're paying, right? It would be it would be dumb. That would be a bad I, I agree. Completely. Ready for the next one? Yeah. Robert Foos. Rfoos33. What do you think? Who do you think has better weapons for a Rams-style offense? The Bengals or the Rams? This pretty much means, do you think A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd 
are better than the three Rams receivers. Because you could pretty easily argue that Mixon and Gurley are close enough to, to say you're splitting hairs. You can say yeah. Eifert, you can't count on him, so you can't really count him. Right, he's a bonus. So would you rather have the three guys that you know are pretty good at receiver or yeah. the wild card? Well, Cooper and, Cup's also coming off a, a, a knee injury that swept away, what, eight games at least, nine? Yeah, but, I mean, he's proven to be quite good. He had a very strong connection with with uh, Jared Goff as well, as, as strong as did Dalton and Boyd. In terms Zach of, Taylor was his coach as a uh, as when he was a rookie, too. Yeah. Because he was uh, a wide receiver coach. I think the, the weapons are quite comparable because A.J. Green is better yes. than, than anybody on the Rams. But I think where this gets interesting is, do the weapons matter? When the offensive line in Cincinnati is one of the worst in the league and the offensive line in L.A. was one of the best in the league, yep. how much of that is the scheme? How much will the scheme help the Bengals' offensive line? Will it get them to be middle of the pack? Like, is, is the scheme really so good that it'll it'll get them to another tier of performance? Right. Hope if you so. look at PFF, they're ranked 27th offensive line. And if you look at Mike Clay's projections, dead last. Right. There's a, I, yeah, fine. There's a chance they are. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with right now, right? Like it would it would take the scheme hiding them to really vault them anywhere. So, because I've seen people say that is this is a better offensive line than last year. Are we sure at this point now th- that it is? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen this recently. People say they should have a better line than last year. Mixon led, led led the AFC, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm saying that, guys. So the way the scheme that it's may better, hide them, the way it's better. Is even if Bobby Hart's the same, the way the way it's better is if Cordy Glenn is healthy, John Miller is healthy, and and uh, Billy Price takes a step forward, and and Christian Westerman or whoever's playing left guard is is at least average. Right. That's the only way it's better. That's a lot of everyone, everything. That's all your. It's a lot of ifs. Yeah, that's a lot of everything happening the way you would hope. Yeah. And that's what they are hoping for, I think. And they're also hoping that the scheme will help all those things happen. Yeah, they may hide their offensive line more this year. Now, remember, the Bengals did do a lot of play action last year, a lot of RPO stuff. uh, But the commitment to the running game helps hide the offensive line. Yeah. I think another factor is none of these guys are guys that they acquired to play offensive line except John Miller. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, John Jerry, too, I guess, technically. But... They're they're not hand picked for this offense, although neither were the LA ones. They did bring in a lot of free agents for that offensive line. They did. I think the they offensive did. line is probably a work in progress for like two more years. Right. Um so So better weapons? Very close. I, it is. Do you have a, an is. opinion? No, I don't. I I I hope there's a chance the Bengals could be better, but proven? No, the Rams are proven to be a little bit better. Obviously, I think uh, with the weapons, uh, because uh, John Ross is still a wild card. Eifert's a wild card. Yeah, but if but those guys are healthy and playing well, exactly. then I could quickly lean on the Bengals easily. I could look at that and say, yeah, yeah, take it. If, if Eifert's healthy and if Ross does anything, then it could tilt to the Bengals pretty quick, especially with the questions around uh, Todd Gurley's health. Yep. Last question, Joe. It's yours. Right. Andrew Dockerell, at Docker77, a frequent mailbag participant. Fourth and goal on the two-yard line for the Bengals' first Super Bowl title. 
you're the offensive coordinator. What are you calling? And I'm assuming you're down like five points. I was gonna ask this because do I can I kick a field goal? Is, no. is that well? <laughs> would you kick could... a field goal with Randy Bullock for your first Super Bowl? <laughs> Jeez, that'd be so scary. Yes, I would. From the from that short from from the extra tier, point, you have to, yes, yeah. you got like a ninety eight percent chance of making it. Yeah. Um. So yes, I would. And if you missed, then that's just the luck of the Bengals and the football gods striking down in anger. But anyways, okay. So what would I call? I would probably spread the def- spread the defense out. Yeah, so sp- I'd go out there three wide. I'd probably even detach Tyler Eifert. So you're out there four wide with mixing to your to your side a- a- as a um, in shotgun, and I'd probably give it to him uh, up the middle and just try and so maybe you've got four or five, maybe six defenders in the box, and I try and run away from the unblocked defender and get that two yards. It might seem risky, but I I, I find that less risky than saying I can throw a slant because that's kind of you don't have too many options. You're either throwing a slant flat and hoping your guy gets in. It's To me, it seems like the same type of uh, um, hope that my, my guy makes a block. But with this old line, would I, make, would I ask those five guys to get that block and just let Mixon run it in? Yeah, I think there's a chance for that. That's where I'd love to have a running quarterback, though. Yeah, that would help. Uh, I would throw the ball at the back of a linebacker's helmet to Tyler Eifert. Yeah, if he's healthy, you're out there, you're in the Super Bowl. So he, he if you're in the Super Bowl, Tyler Eifert's healthy. He has to yeah, be. he sure is. I'm throwing, right, the ball at a, I'm throwing the ball at a linebacker's nameplate and letting Tyler Eifert pick it off his back. Yeah, I've got no problem with that. I feel great about that play call. <laughs> That's my favorite play for the I don't care if it's a safety, Bengals. same thing. The, the, other, the other play I would call would be a corner to A.J. Green or Tyler Boyd. Those are the two plays that, that I think the Bengals have pulled off in the clutch the best. Yeah. yeah. And Tyler, Eifert's they... not, Tyler Eifert's got a bunch of catches from the two, three, one-yard line touchdowns. He's, he's got a bunch of red zone touchdowns you can look at for examples. What they'd probably run is a hook with a post behind it. Now, it's it's a real tight post uh, because you're in the, in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the slot guy hooks. You try to pull in the inside defender and that corner on the, on the slot guy hooking up right at the goal line, maybe one yard in the end zone. And then you have the outside receiver. So that's Tyler Boyd hooking up. And you've got A.J. Green coming behind him, hopefully with inside leverage on that corner. And that safety's jumping up on Boyd, and you're hitting him basically over top of Boyd. Uh, behind them and in the back of the end zone is probably what they'd call based on the Rams. I, I like those options. I'm okay with those. That's it. That's our last question. That's it. That's our last question. We're done. Yeah. Huge mailbag. That was fun. It was good. I think they're going to be really fun now that the season's starting. Yeah, we, we have, have stuff have, to talk we, about. We have stuff to talk. Oh about. my god, crazy! It's wild. It's like yes. we've been doing this podcast the whole off season without football to talk about. There was a question in there that I thought I favorited, where someone asked, uh, "What's the longevity of this podcast? Money oh, yeah. aside, and do they? Are we going to continue it? Um, and you know, we're at least doing it for this season, and we'll see. But we just got through the dead period and the time where we're going to have the least amount of listeners and inter- interaction and, and topics to talk about. So if everything picks up the way it could and should in May, then we'll take it from there. But uh, so far we are uh, excited, at least recently. Right, Jake? Yeah, definitely. I think it's hard to remove the money from the equation, right? When right. you ask that sort of question, the money is definitely a part of it. But this is something that we both enjoy quite a bit. 
Yeah. Uh, it's fun. The more that the community grows around it, the more engagement happens, the more fun it will be for us too. So we thank you all deeply for listening. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you that sends in questions, share it with your friends, help us grow the community. Let's make it as big as it can be. And we'll stick around as long as you guys want us. If, if it gets big, you know, that's, that's you know what, what I, we're here for. You know what I'm excited for is to talk about football, obviously, but everything we've done over the last few months, besides draft content, which I thought we was really good and fun. And I love doing that stuff. Um, we get to actually talk about the games and, football and maybe some X's and O's and player evaluation and decision-making from the coaching staff and everything that goes along with football evaluation that I have made a side career on. That's what I do. All this other stuff, if you don't find us that interesting, I really think the season is where we're going to be interesting. And we're going to give you takes that you're not hearing from other things. We're going to give you observations you're not going to see from anywhere else. And that gets me excited. Yep. I'm so excited. I can hear it in your voice. I'm so excited. <laughs> you actually do look excited. Now, excited. now you're acting. <laughs> they can only hear me, Joe. Don't tip my hand. That'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Go download, like, subscribe, do all the things you do. Himalaya, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, other places. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry, at Jake underscore NFL. Until training camp. On Saturday, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 